Um, so last night I was looking over the sermon and I had, I, I was nervous, guys. Like my stomach was queasy. I was nervous today. And I was like, Jesus, this is like a first date. Like I want you guys to love me. I want a second date here. Like, I don't want to be like, well, that guy's weird. Lindsay, that's not happening again. Which I think I'm good at first dates. Like, I got my wife the first date, all right? She was done after that first date. Like, she was like, this guy is wildly fantastic. If you don't ask her, she will say those exact words. I can't promise that, but I think that's exactly what she would say. Okay, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm on a first date with you guys today, and I think today is going to be fun, and today you guys are going to get to know a message of me, which is the biggest part of me. Uh, uh, this message is something my Knoxville people, Bill, Deb, Emily, and all you guys have heard this, you're like, oh yeah, we've been down this road with Chad before, and it's because I think it's so important. And today, what you're going to get to know, you're going to get to know me today, right? This, this message is, it peers into my soul and my life with Jesus. And I pray today that Jesus peers into your soul with it. I pray that it impacts you, and I pray that it frees us up to move in a purpose. And what people in Knoxville know, I ask questions at the start. And they're probably like, oh my gosh, why is he doing that here and why is he doing that again? And you guys, like, I'm an introvert. I know what you introverts are thinking right now. You're like, I hate this guy already. <laughs> he is going to ask me questions. And let me tell you up front, there's a reason why I do it. Um, and that's to get us out of our bubble of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. To break down social walls at the start so you and I feel more comfortable moving and responding to Jesus. Right? Because I want to break through that stuff so that doesn't hinder us experiencing God. And guys, I said it before, God is uncontrollable. He frenzies upon us. He, he makes things uncomfortable. He disrupts notions. He disrupts routines, social, cultural, and theological norms. Jesus breaks down walls and barriers. And that's why I like asking questions, because it's inappropriate, and it breaks down those barriers. And I don't want us to miss what God may want to speak. So I have my first question, and guys, just respond. All right, this one, I am putting it up on a tee for you, okay? Are you guys ready? Oh, you introverts. Okay, um, good job. Uh, second question here this morning, and just yell it out. Oh, yeah, second question. We're going real deep with this one. Um, in two or three words, someone yell out a one word. What's your favorite thing about Jesus? Forgiveness. What? Salvation. Salvation. Yes. Grace. Love. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good job, guys. Hey, give yourselves a hand real quick. We made it. We broke. We were inappropriate this morning, right? We did things we don't normally do. Um, and let me say, my favorite thing about Jesus is exactly the word I've been using a lot. He is wildly inappropriate all throughout the Bible. Um, and that just so happens to be the title of my sermon, Inappropriate, <laughs> right? Because that's what Jesus has been in my life in so many different ways. 
Um, and what I want to do is piggyback off from Lindsay has been preaching the last few weeks. If you guys have, if you guys have missed the last two weeks' sermons, please go to our podcast and check that out. Because Lindsay has been commissioning us to enter what God's doing in our community. Like, she's been on fire. And what I want to do is piggyback off from that and deal with, because when God is commissioning us, and we see this in the Bible all the time, sometimes we have things that hold us back from entering all the way into God's calling. Sometimes we have those places in our lives that stop us from moving forward with God. And we see it with Moses, right? He stuttered. You guys are going to learn this. I stutter. I'm probably going to do it this morning because I'm more nervous than normal. I will stutter. I will get caught on words. And Moses is like, hey, God, I don't speak well. And God's like, I get that. I'll be with you. Go do it. I don't care. Right? God had to deal with it. And then we have our boy, the apostle Peter. Uh, He straight up denies Jesus three times um, before and on the day Jesus was crucified. Um, After three straight years of living with Jesus and doing life with Jesus, like he straight up denied. Peter ruins his witness. And then before Jesus leaves, after Jesus is resurrected, he comes to Peter, and we know what Jesus does. He restores Peter three times by saying, Jesus, feed my sheep. Jesus, feed my sheep. Jesus, feed my sheep. So Jesus knows we all have baggage. Jesus knows we have these things in our life that we love calling. We want to launch out, right? We want to do things for Jesus. We want to bring his kingdom to everyone around us. But sometimes we allow that thing back there to control us. And Jesus wants to deal with that today. Uh, Jesus wants us as a church to deal with that today. Um, and guys, and after years in the church and walking with Jesus person, personally, my simple belief is that the main thing that keeps us from entering fully in what God has for us is, is grace. Grace is the biggest stumbling, bro- stumbling block of us approaching God well. Um, and if you're not a Christian here today, uh, let me tell you what grace is. Grace is the radical generosity of God. Mercy is when God simply forgives your sin. Grace is when ch- God refuses to even remember it, right? So it doesn't hold us back. So that's what we Christians mean when we talk about grace. And my question is, do you actually believe it? And that's not like the important question. The question is, do you actually walk in it day to day? Because there's a different thing in believing it. I can believe it, but am I walking in the grace that helps me take steps forward today in the grace that God has given me and the calling he's given me. Grace is one of the most inappropriate and offensive things I think I've ever taught on. I had a personal mentor after I preached this one time be like, well, if you keep on saying sin's okay, you're going to get everyone in church. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not what I was saying. I get that. It's offensive. I know. Um, And that's what grace is. It can be offensive Um, I've had people walk up to me after this and say, "Um, I'm going to have to think about that. Or I think you may have went too far. And a pastor that I love to listen to, and it's my wife will roll her eyes at right now, his name is Jordan Singh, and he often says, grace is is attacked by the world on one side and and religiosity on the other. Right? It's attacked by both sides because it's inappropriate. And we see that in the story of Zacchaeus. So let's jump in. Uh, Chapter 19, verse number 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. 
and he had become very rich. And guys, and in those verses, let's just kind of try to understand what's going on. We all know Rome is at right now occupying Jerusalem. It's occupying. It has rule over Israel. And the Roman government is taxing the Jews who live under their rule. And to tax the Jews, what they did is they hired other Jews to tax Jews. Now, every Jewish person hated Rome. They longed for the day to be freed from the rule and reign. And even more than that, they hated the Jews that came and collected the taxes from their own people. They were complete traitors. And most tax collectors were dishonest. An example is if Rome was like, hey, you need to go collect $30 from Brad, right? They would go and say, Brad, you need to give me $60. That's how much you're being taxed. They would go take the $30, give it back to Rome, and they would pocket the other $30, Right? It was dishonest gain. And that's what Zacchaeus was known for throughout the region. Even more, he was the chief tax collector. He was the boss of tax collectors. He had been given that role. And the verses say he has become very rich. Let me say this. Zacchaeus was known and he was hated. They did not like him. And then in verse 3, it said he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. Not going to do it. To see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass by that way. Um, So let's understand this context real quick. He was short, but not only was he short, Zacchaeus was hated. And guys, have you guys ever seen those movies where like a hero or a cop gets thrown in jail? And they're like, oh, hey, it's the guy that throws us in jail. Let's sieve him. That's what they wanted to do to Zacchaeus, right? If Zacchaeus were to walk in that crowd... They would either throw rocks or he'd just get sieved along the way and be left for dead. So Zacchaeus wasn't like in the crowd trying to peek over. Zacchaeus was far away from the crowd in the distance looking. And he couldn't see Jesus, but he wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus knew he was inappropriate. And then in verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. I love Jesus and I love the context of these stories because it tells us so much about Jesus. I love the gospels. And what the first thing that comes to my mind is what did Zacchaeus hear about Jesus to run to him? Right? Because you and I know uh, we come to church and we get preached that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus came, he died for our sins, and in order to live in relationship with Jesus, we just come lay that down and start a relationship with Jesus, right? This is not the story that Zacchaeus was hearing, right? Because they didn't know he was the Son of God yet. They didn't have any context for that. So for me, it's what story is Zacchaeus hearing? For me, it's this wild new religious leader who's Bending the religious people of their day. He's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And not only that, Zacchaeus may have had an inside knowledge about Jesus and the fact that you guys know the guy who wrote the Gospel of Matthew? His real name was Levi. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus call him at a tax collector's booth. Levi was a tax collector. Levi may have been under the rule of Zacchaeus. Right? I don't know that for sure. That's theory. 
but he may have had inside knowledge. He may have seen Matthew and been like, maybe Jesus will accept me too. Maybe I can go to Jesus too. And a fun story about Levi, uh, that side note, is the name Levi means he's from the priest of, from the, sex, uh, from the section of the Levites, which means um, he probably wanted to grow up to be a priest and failed miserably at it. And so when Jesus walked by and said, hey, follow me, he's, he was probably like, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can enter into purpose, this thing that I thought I was called for. That may have been the case. But, you know, Jesus did his weird thing. Hey, Levi, follow me. And he's like, well, okay. It's better than being a tax collector. Like, that's weird to me. I don't know. If someone came up and said, hey, follow me, I'd be like, where are we going? What are we doing? Like, I'm leaving my job. Are you paying for everything? Oh, I'm going to have to sleep outside? I'm probably not going to do that, bro. (laughs) Right? Right? That's just, I have no context for that. And, And guys, I think Zacchaeus heard Jesus was inappropriate. Um, and this story continues to affirm Jesus being inappropriate. The reaction of the crowd when, Zacchaeus, when he receives Zacchaeus is strong in verse 7. It says, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. These people were offended, and rightly so, right? This guy oppressed them, stolen from them, marginalized them. He caused many people pain and destruction. Isn't there something in you that resonates with that? Like, this person has caused us pain and destruction. Why are you receiving him? It it does for me. Um, It seems inappropriate Jesus would receive Zacchaeus without calling him out, without being like, hey, you hurt these people. But Jesus didn't do that, did he? He he didn't do that at, at all, and that doesn't seem just. And how many of you have kids, right? You guys know all about inappropriate. I see your kids. I know. (laughs) Right? Let me say this. A four-year-old will kick you in the leg and five minutes later ask for ice cream. Like, no, you can't have ice cream. You kicked me in the leg. Like, I'm not not giving you ice cream. Right? Um, That story may have been personally from my childhood. Pray for my mother. (laughs) Um, 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 Kids are inappropriate. I think that's why Jesus loved kids. They were willing to be inappropriate and ask for things they should not ask for. Um, And then early in my ministry, and let me be honest with you, I may have not been saved early in ministry. I'm going to go ahead and say that um, I was really religious. I really loved religion, Uh, not so much Jesus early on. Um, And I remember this story of someone who had been really close to me, and they had left completely. Uh, they were getting into alcohol and getting into things I didn't even know about at the time. And I remember Jesus distinctly blessing them. Like Jesus provided something out of the way for them and blessed them. And I remember in me this heart of anger and offense. Because here's the deal. I needed the same thing in my life that they were blessed with. And I had been praying about that. I didn't receive it, and I never did. But they did. And I was upset and offended and I remember that verse, it came so slow, slowly to me, and it was the kindness of God leads us to repentance. And that's the simple fact is Jesus chooses to bless, his, bless people no matter what we think. All right? Jesus is inappropriate, and that to me was inappropriate, but I love that about Jesus, and that broke me. Like Jesus is that kind. 
that when we're going away from him, when we're rebelling, he will bless us and ask us to come back. Um, and Jesus was known for this. Like, like, this doesn't surprise anyone. We all know the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, right? We all know that story. If not, let me read it to you. John 8, 1 through 11, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crown soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Now, here they're doing, guys. They're testing Jesus. And why are you testing Jesus with a woman caught in adultery? Like, why is that, you, why is that the thing you're picking? Is because it seems Jesus was relaxed towards sin. And these Pharisees, guys, and listen to them. Listen to their hearts. God had been silent for 400 years. They're in captivity. They know and they believe they're under the judgment of God. So what do you do rationally when you're under the judgment of God? You try to get right. You do white-knuckled behavior, and you get rigid, and you try to earn God's favor and love. And that's what these guys were trying to do. They were trying to bring blessing back to the land so that they could get out of Roman captivity. And so in the midst of all this, you have this religious guy named Jesus, this new guy on the scene who's healing people on the Sabbath, and he's eating with sinners, the main people keeping the blessing from God from entering into their nation. So that's what they're thinking. So, hey, let me bring... Someone, and what's adultery, yeah, that's in our law. It's obvious Jesus is going to receive her, and then we got him. We can say that he's blasphemous, right? We can say that he's offensive towards God even. In verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And guys, I want to say this real quick. Um, I hope when we get to heaven, Jesus was like, dude, I'll just draw in circles the whole time. <laughs> right? I, I hope he says that because we focus, right? I, I have a Baptist background. I love Baptists, guys. I do. Uh, but they talked a lot about, about what Jesus may have wrote in the sand. But I think when we focus on that, we miss what's actually happening in the story. And we miss what actually gets them. And what happened in the story is this. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And for these people who know that God's judgment is on them, right? They think God is judging them. They know they're sinful. What do they do? When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Uh, This gets me. Then he stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? Notice what's happening in the story. Jesus never directly responds to her until everyone's gone. Everyone accusing her of her wrongdoing. Everyone condemning her. He didn't call her out in front of a large crowd. He waited till everyone was gone. And he says, who condemns you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's inappropriate, right? And in fact, that book of the Bible itself, it's technically 
it has none of the writing style of the book of John. It's believed that the early church writers got this story, and they were like, oh, we're not going to put this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is wildly inappropriate. We don't know what to do with this story. And then later, when the book of John, the last gospel, came around, it was like, no, we think this fits. We have to put this in somewhere. Let's put it in here. Right? Because that story gets us. Because there's something that rises us in us. Because it seems Jesus is too relaxed and accepting sin. And to disprove him, right, they brought this woman before him. And guys, what do you think got Jesus killed? Because he was offensive. Because he was absolutely inappropriate. That's what got Jesus to hung on the cross. Now, we know he died for our sins. But the reason why they threw him up there, he was blaspheming God to them. He was offensive to God. Now, let's clear this up in the story uh, because it's one of the few places Jesus actually addresses sin, right? Jesus is not okay with sin, right? We know that. Jesus will address sin. Um, but here's Jesus' heart. Go and sin no more because they're trying to kill you, right? This, this sin that's happening, um, they're going to want to stone you eventually, Please don't do that. It's not safe. And that's why Jesus doesn't like sin, because it hurts us, right? It, it hurts, and not only does my sin hurt me, it hurts those around me. It hurts my wife. It hurts my friends. It hurts my family. Um, it's hard to love God and love people, right? Um, and sin weakens us, and it gets us stuck in a place. And Jesus pronounces forgiveness of this woman and then just deals with it and says, hey, hey, be safe, be careful, okay? Don't do this. Now go, live. Go and don't be controlled by this. Go and live a life. And how do you think she probably responded like that? To me, that would be so freeing in my life. If Jesus was like, okay, hey, it's hurting you and it's hurting other people. I forgive you. I don't condemn you. Now go. Enter purpose. Enter life. And guys, sin makes, it just makes us stupid. But here's one thing to know. Sin does not separate God from you. It does not separate God from you. What sin does, it makes you separate from God. If we go to the Garden of Eden, what happened? God moves in, and where are the men and women hiding? Right? Adam and Eve are hiding, not God. Jesus comes to an earth that doesn't know him, that's filled with sin. Right? He embraces it. He's not scared of it, but it's us who's afraid to open up to God with it. Um, and so I want to end like this, guys. Uh, we see in both stories of this that offense separates us from what God is doing, right? So if we're holding any type of offense in our heart towards a brother and sister or towards God, right? I don't ever want to miss God moving in my life. And sometimes God may be right in front of me, and I completely miss it because I'm holding a fence. Um, I recently had someone tell me in a ministry time, he was praying on me, he was like, hey, repent of your unbelief in the Holy Spirit, and walks away. And I was like, how dare you tell me, oh, he's right. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me for being offended that you didn't bless me when you wanted to. I want you to bless me on my time. Right, I was praying for something for seven years alone, fasting and praying. Then I actually asked someone to pray for me, and it happens. Right? Like, like 
Like when we carry offense, we separate ourselves from what God is doing. And God is calling this church to enter purpose. God is calling this church to enter their community and bring the kingdom of God. So if that's you today, I'm just going to invite you. Just lay it down. Jesus is not disappointed in you. Jesus is not afraid. He loves you. Secondly, um, are you stuck because of failure? And there's two types, right? Uh, The band can go ahead and come on up. There's two types, right? Um, You could be a guy that went out with Sarah and McCarter to Knoxville about four years ago to plant a church. You get out there. Um, you feel called by God, and God is speaking about going to Knoxville. You get out there about three years later, things get really hard. You're pastoring the last six months, and you have to close it down. I don't know whose story that is. <laughs> That's me. You guys have welcomed a failure into your midst, but I love it. I just love it. I love taking chances with Jesus. So you guys may have been like, hey, I've tried to enter purpose and calling, but I failed. I think Jesus is saying, bounce back. Like, like, don't get stuck. Try again. Fail again. Fail fast and fail often and move on because the kingdom of God has no time for regrets. Or you may say, I'm inappropriate. That was wildly inappropriate, but that's okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, or you may say, hey, man, I was, I've been walking with Jesus, but my marriage busted up. Uh, You may say, I morally failed, and I don't know how to move past that. I don't know how to enter into purpose after that, because I feel written off, and not only that, I write myself off. Uh, Let me say this. um, Jesus does not write you off. Um, Jesus does not put you to the side. Jesus will want to get you healthy. Jesus will want you to move in health, but Jesus' ultimate purpose is to push you back into calling, right? Guys, life is too short, and the kingdom of God has to reach people that don't know him. We have to plant churches. We have to reach our community. And God wants you to be inappropriate enough to believe he wants to do that today, that he wants to completely restore you. Or you could be the third person here today. Maybe like, dude, I've been in church a long time. I don't know what to think about Jesus. What you're saying sounds cool, but I just don't believe it, right? I've experienced a ton. You may be like, this is my first time hearing it, and this just sounds weird. I invite you just to say, Jesus, come show me. Just take the risk and say, if God's real, I want to know him. Say, Jesus, come show me. And Jesus, much like he did Matthew, I love the story of Matthew because it's wildly inappropriate. Jesus calls him from the tax collector's booth. He doesn't know what to think about Jesus yet. And then Jesus in the same chapter, probably about three or four hours later, says, hey, I'm sending you guys out to cast out demons and heal people in my name. Go. And Levi's probably like, what? (laughs) Like, that's weird, dude. I don't even know what I think about you. And Jesus like, ah, you'll be fine. Go with Peter. It'll be wildly inappropriate. It'll be fun right? Like, jump into the move and the river in which God is moving into it. And guys, you will get swept up. And we do that with each other together, right? So what I want to do today, um, I'll have you guys stand. We're going to pray. And what I want to do today, it's a prayer of blessing. Um, and I want to do, and I want to do it together. And guys, you can do it if you want to. It's not a magic trick or anything, but if you want to hold out your hands and receive, you can. Or if you just want to sit silently with Jesus, you can. But I want to pray over you.
So let's pray. Ah, Holy Spirit, come. Brother and sisters, in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. All you have to do is receive it. So in the name of Jesus, receive it now. And so, Father, we have nothing holding us back from you. We have no sin that separates us from your presence at all, God. God, we come before you boldly in confidence of your grace, to the throne of grace, to your love. And, Father, I ask over these people that you would come and awaken calling that has died. I pray that you would come and awaken purpose, Father. And, Lord, if they've never known their calling today, God, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal it to them in your name. And Father, if there's anyone in here that I don't know you, that that don't know you, Father, or that are not sure about trusting you, Father, I pray that you would show yourself kind, loving, and patient. So come, Lord. In your name I pray, amen.